So, good evening to everyone. Thanks so much for coming. Hare Krishna. So, well, today was not expected to be our last talk. <laughs> but, but yesterday was supposedly the last talk, but some, some arrangement was there. High divine arrangement, expressing to some of the Vaishnav. So here we are again, trying to to satisfy our thirst for Harikata and Sasasanga. But fortunately, we will never be satisfied enough. <laughs> so, so that will take us to newer and newer chances and opportunities to continue sharing. One Sila Bhakti Rakaksira Dev Goswami was giving some discourse, a very like otherworldly presentation. So all of the devotees were like totally like dumbfounded, like what and one devotee said to Sila Sira Maharaj, Oh Guru Maharaj, we are totally satisfied with what you have to tell us. And Srila Sira Maharaj in a very natural way, he says, totally satisfied? Is that possible? <laughs> no. So in our school we are invited to a level of transcendental dissatisfaction. That's the paradoxical nature of love. Love gives Atmaram or gives self-satisfaction but at the same time it feels that it can always grow more. So, it means some sort of dissatisfaction with the present condition. <laughs> so, these are the dynamics we have to deal with in our spiritual life. Thakur Bhaktivinoda will say, today's perfection is tomorrow's imperfection. And so on for eternity. <laughs> Are you ready for such a standard? <laughs> really dynamic, ever expanding, ever growing. So that, that's that's the level of. I, I always was thinking about that once. Thakur Bhaktivinoda expresses in his famous Saranagati, some book. At one point he says, "I am full of lust. I am full of wrath. I am full of envy." So you feel how come back to you not know, Thakur say that? Maybe he's writing only for the sake of us or he's really feeling that. And if he's feeling that, how can we keep feeling that? So once I, I, this idea came to me, I felt how can someone like Bhakti not Thakur feel last? So I felt, well, Actually, when you have love for God, I mean, you enter in touch with a reality which has no end. So you have love for God, but you realize you can have so much love of God. So compared to what you have now, all the remaining Prem Bhakti that is waiting for you <laughs> is, is so much that you will feel what I have now is almost like last. 
<laughs> That's a very subjective, particular experience there, no? So, Srila Siramash wants to say that, very powerful statement. He said, in entering, entering in touch with the infinite means that you will realize there is no limit to the progress. Try to imagine, I mean, you cannot imagine, but try entering into a land where there is no limit for, the, for progress. Always more progress. Always. That's a very beautiful thing, but very challenging ideal also. You have to, to be ready for such a land. <laughs> so now we are here on this material world, this like the, like the gym. No? <laughs> so we may prepare ourselves for entering such a place someday. <laughs> but, but this is the, the situation, no? We, we will never be fully satiated of the experience of bhakti. We know we have some bhakti, and, and if we are entering in touch with bhakti, the, 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 the result of that will be, I want more bhakti. <laughs> bhakti is the means and bhakti is the goal we practice bhakti in order to obtain more bhakti once some person asked Sila Prabhupada what's the result of chanting Hare Krishna properly so he answered very naturally that you will be able to chant more Hare Krishna we don't want to chant for something else but for chanting more and, and better so we want to serve so we can continue serving in, in a highly refined way in, in other practices the sadhana is one thing the sadhya is another thing no? if you practice karma, jnana or yoga the respective goals of those practices are different from the practice itself. You practice karma for going to Swarga, heavenly planets. And when you reach there, you stop all your karma, kanda, rituals, you are in heaven enjoying. <laughs> so you use the practice only as an instrument to take you to another goal. <laughs> the same with Gyan. You practice Gyan to obtain Mukti. You merge into Brahman, no more Gyan, no more nothing. No more even your sense of identity. <laughs> because as we say yesterday, you are reached there, no chance of falling from there. <laughs> Later we will continue with that. <laughs> If you practice yoga, you may practice with the idea of reaching Siddhi, mystic perfection. Or some type of, also, some type of sajuja of merging can be there. But if you practice bhakti, the goal of that practice of bhakti will be bhakti. So, since there's, it, it, that means there's no higher thing than bhakti. Hmm. Interestingly, karma, jnana and yoga, they need some a mixture of bhakti to give their results. But, but bhakti, 
But bhakti is not depending on all the other practice to give its result. Bhakti is independent, swarat. It's for itself. Mm-hmm. So the the goal, the, the the practice is bhakti. The goal is bhakti. But of course, different types of bhakti. Sadhana bhakti, bhava bhakti, prem bhakti. But the word bhakti is always there. <laughs> so we are very fortunate to be engaged in in some. In another words, now right now we have the chance of do of doing those things that we will be doing in eternity. Now we are chanting, now we are serving, now we are hearing. And ideally in eternity we will be doing all those same things as well. But we are a pure heart. So when the pure heart is there, the, the last minimum service is such a big reward. Uh, sometimes we hear that the eternal seva of Bhaktivinoda in his identity as Kamala Manjari is preparing camphor lamps. So maybe if I tell now to you, okay, from now on you have to do camphor lamps for eternity. <laughs> that may be too much for you. Even if I say to you, you have to make camphor lamps for three hours, you're starting already to feel like. <laughs> so how can one can be doing camphor lamps plans for eternity? Well, it's possible, but you have to approach the idea of service from a different angle of view. So when you have pure love for God, any minimum chance of service represents the highest possibility. And you can be doing camphor lamps for eternity and be fully satisfied. Fully satisfied, but at the same time, transcendentally insatisfied. So, as we know, this happens to Krishna himself. Krishna also has some problems. (laughs) For example, when we speak about Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, we are speaking about the solution to Krishna's problems in Vrindavan. Mahaprabhu is the solution to the problems that Krishna has in Vrindavan. <laughs> so how, how is that? For example, I, I once heard Gaur Govinda Maharaj say, gave a very nice description. He said, for example, when Krishna appeared in, in, in Satya Yuga, he appeared as Nishimhadev. <laughs> and uh, and when, he, when he heard Prahlad praying, at one point Prahlad asked Nishimhadev, please bless my father. Nushin Hadev insisted, I want to give you some blessing, accept some blessing for me. And Prahlad said, I don't want nothing, I don't want anything, I don't want anything. I'm not serving you for blessings. I'm not a merchant. I worship, but give me blessing. <laughs> no, no. Prahlad said, I don't want blessing. I mean, I already have the blessing, I'm serving you. <laughs> But Nisri Hadev insisted, 
I'm famous as a giver of blessings. Accept one blessing. Prahlad <laughs> uh, first say, please do not let uh, selfish desires enter my heart. And actually, it was, it was, it, that was not a, a desire for him. He said, let me remain selflessness, with selflessness. So I may remain in Serbia in that way. No, and she had to say, Tatash too, okay, given, but something else. <laughs> uh, okay, bless my father, he was not a very nice guy. So, <laughs> so at, at that point, she had to say, oh, he has some feeling towards his father. So he asked himself, what does, it, what does it mean to have a father? In this appearance, I don't have a father. My father is a pillar. So I was not able to taste that particular rasa. So from here on, I make the vow of, and every avatar will come, I always will have some father. After Nishinadev, every descent of Krishna is with father, mother, so he can taste Vatsalya. So later in Treta Yuga, Krishna appears as Ramachandra. So he has father, mother, you know. But at one point when he is in the exile, in the, in the forest, in Dandakaranya, he found these rishis living there, who were practicing for many lifetimes, hoping to attain the connection with him in, in romantic Love. So they saw Ramachandra and they asked him, please, we want to establish this type of relationship with you, Madhurya. But there were some restrictions in that Lila for Ramachandra. He was playing the role of an ideal king, also called Mariada Purushatam, or the highest personification of rectitude. So he said, in this in this incarnation, I only have in this avatar, I only have one wife, Sita. I accept what is called Ekapatni Brat, the vow of one wife. So I cannot join you in romantic affairs here. <laughs> so again, some problem, some dilemma there, how to solve that. <laughs> so he said that in my in next, in next era, in Dwapra Yuga, I will, I will come in my original form as Krishna, and you will be there as gopis, and you will be have the chance of fulfilling this with me. So, Dwapara Yuga comes, Krishna comes, and these riches appear as the gopis in Vrindavan. Those, those gopis who, who, whom Krishna stole their garments. And you know the story, Gopi Vastraharana and Lila. Worshipping Katayani for having Krishna as his has, her husband, like this. So, okay, Krishna solved that dilemma. <laughs> but after a new dilemma came, when he was, we go to the Rasa Lila. 
This is the, 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 the zenith of the Bhagavad. Like the top most section. So, well, I won't tell in detail all the story, you know it. But at the point that Krishna disappeared from the, so the Rasa dance, and he went, goes with Tri Radha, and the gopis followed the way, following the footsteps, huh? asking all the living and non-living entities, where is Krishna, where is Krishna? <laughs> even praying to God, Narayan, and Vishnu, you are omniscient, you know where Krishna is. <laughs> because in Vrindavan, Krishna is not God. In Vrindavan, God is God, Vishnu, Narayan. <laughs> Krishna is beloved of Jashoda, the friend of Madhu Mangal. <laughs> but God is someone else. <laughs> this is a famous story where Krishna, another Rasa Lila, Krishna disappears from the dance and Gopis madly are, are looking for him and, and Krishna transforms himself into Narayan with four arms. So he appears in the way the Gopis were looking and Krishna, Narayan appears there with the you know, different you know, lotus, conch, shell and like this. <laughs> so Gopis running and suddenly they see God. <laughs> so actually they have only one question to ask to ask God. And the question was, where is Krishna? You are God, you must know. Where is Krishna? So Krishna asked Naraya was like totally overwhelmed what's going on here. <laughs> so he was not able to say anything. He just believed. So the gopis look between themselves, they say, well, God is not answering, let's keep looking for Krishna, and they continue running. <laughs> but after that, Radharani appeared in, in the way, and her presence and her love was so extreme that Krishna was not able to maintain his four, his chaturbhuj, his four-armed form. So, in the presence of the, the, the love of Radharani, Krishna immediately took Trivanga Lalit. He was carved in three and was not able to be someone else. <laughs> in other words, the form of Krishna is, is a result of the love of his devotees. That's a very important theological point. Every form of God corresponds with a particular type of love of, of their devotees. So, the point is, Krishna disappeared from Rasalila and <laughs> returning. And eventually, gopis found Radharani alone. Krishna left her as well. Many reasons for that. No time now for that. So they joined, the gopis joined with Radharani in Kirtan and, and Sadhu Sangha. This is the famous Gopi Gita of the Bhagavad. So that's what we ourselves do as well. Kirtan and Sadhu Sangha. So we can deal with the separation from Krishna. Of course, different case between us and the Gopis. <laughs> different type of separation. Their separation, in that particular case, was called um, Prabhas. There are four types of Vipralambor separation. So Prabhas means separation due to time and circumstance. 
There is other separation called uh, uh, man, when the lovers fight between themselves and some separation is there. There is an even craziest separation called crazier, called prembaichitya, which means you are in union with your beloved, but you feel separation in union. <laughs> Huh? Sometimes we speak about union in separation. <laughs> but, but there is an idea called separation in union. Like when, when Radharani was with Krishna once, and some bumblebee appeared. Huh? And the bumblebee ap- appeared in front of Krishna and Radharani. No? So Radharani tried to, to take the bumblebee out. But she was not able to do that. And, and Madhu Mangal, Krishna's friend who was there, he was able to take the bumblebee out. So he said, one name in Sanskrit for bumblebee is Madhusudan. So Madhu Mangal said, Madhusudan is gone. He said to Radha, bumblebee is gone. But she understood Krishna is gone. <laughs> because one name for Krishna is Madhusudan. Because he's like a bumblebee taking the pollen from the lotus face of the gopis, if you will. <laughs> so when Radharani heard, no, Radharani heard Madhusudan has gone, he thought Krishna has gone, he entered into madness of separation. But Krishna was there. <laughs> so he was witnessing, wow, this is very particular love. <laughs> oh, well, the point is, that's not for us yet. <laughs> Our only type of separation is called Purvarag. It means we never have been officially with Krishna, but by hearing about Him in proper association, we can start to develop some sort of feeling of separation and, and a desire for proper union in Seva. But well, the idea was that the gopis joined together into in Kirtan and Sadhu Sangha and, and Krishna, was, Krishna was hiding himself nearby there behind a Tamal tree. It's the same luster as, as Krishna's skin. So he, he time of camouflaged himself because of this. This one name of Krishna called Tamal Krishna. <laughs> he was witnessing witnessing the the, the kirtan of the gopis. <laughs> and actually, uh, he start. I mean, he do, he did that in order to. So the prem of the gopis will increase in separation. So their hearts will flourish in that mood. But after some time, Krishna started to witness the degree of the, specifically the love of Radharani. And he starts to wonder, what's that about? What's, what's she feeling for me? I do not have that experience. I'm, I'm known as Rasaraj, a Rasik Sekar, the king of all 
experiences of wrath, of taste. But that taste is unknown for me. So, am I Rasaraj or I'm not Rasaraj? <laughs> so, Krishna enters into an existential crisis. <laughs> I am the king of ta- tasters or not? <laughs> because she's tasting something that I don't know. So, there Krishna developed this desire, I must taste that. So, in one way, that's the birth of Mahaprabhu in the zenith of Krishna Lila Vrindavan. And because of this, in Kali Yuga, this desire comes there in Krishna, this dissatisfaction comes there. (laughs) These three main desires that we know. What's the glory of Radha's love? What's the beauty she perceives in me? And what's the happiness she derives from such perception? For tasting that, I have to leave my position and become a devotee. <laughs> because I, I'm God, but I don't know, I don't know what's love of God. <laughs> so I want to taste love of God. So I have to stop being God because I'm the object of love. I have to be the, the shelter of love. In Sanskrit it's called Vishaya and Ashraya. So this gives birth to the whole Gaur-lila, if you will. Of course, Gaur-lila is an eternal reality. But sometimes, sometimes Acharyas connect this in this sequence, no? To show how, to show how God, how even God Himself sometimes has these dilemmas, <laughs> or this new dissatisfaction that takes Him to create new lilas, <laughs> new quote unquote, and in this way increase His experience of love exchange. So, in some way or another, we are here trying to follow in that footsteps as well. So, we should never become tired of this type of, of meetings. Of joining, speaking, singing, sharing together. There's no end to that. So, some brief introductory words, only to give you the welcome. <laughs> but, well, this... this Last days we have been mainly receiving questions on different topics that you may have. Something that you would like to, to speak and hear about. So, if you have something you would like to ask or present, it's your turn now. I know we have already two questions there. <laughs> At least two. <laughs> Yesterday were two. Maybe now there are like 17. <laughs> because uh, new things come. But also, I don't know. You can speak about this topic. One question. Yeah. You can explain, uh, because uh, you speak the topic in the verse from Bhagavatam, Yachin Vatam Rasa Gyanam Swanu Swanu Pare Pare, that never. 
I spoke. Ah, okay, okay. Yes. Okay, the question is about this topic. Okay, yeah, this I understood. Yes, yeah, yes yesterday, no. so I didn't connect this is local. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. About the mm-hmm. present moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, this verse from Bhagavatam about the no end uh, and it speaks that Trimatam uh, Arasagnanam Swadu Swadu Pare Pare on every step you can uh, feel uh, new and new experience mm-hmm. and there is no limit. And uh, you can uh, explain about Rasagnanam, what means Rasagnanam? Or little bit about jnana, jnana, vijnana, divyajnana. What means rasagnana? You can shift on this little on this topic. But that's not little topic. <laughs> you say little, but it's not little. I, I try to continue. Little bit, one hour maybe. <laughs> okay. About uh, this uh, topic because generally it's jnana, jnana knowledge. But we see, uh, we can see in the and the experience jnana, vijnana, divyajnana, rasagnana. Please, you can uh, speak a little bit about this, maybe one hour. Okay. Not full satisfaction is not possible. No, it will never be possible, but <laughs> in order to increase our dissatisfaction. Yeah. Transcendental dissatisfaction. Okay. So hopefully you have free, like, for the next four or five hours for free, so we can speak. Uh, openly. <laughs> you have cancelled your different responsibility for the next two days so we can <laughs> so yeah uh, gyan well yeah the term gyan of course it's a very generic term I mean you say gyan okay knowledge um, you can but you can quote that idea in so many different contexts no? previously I spoke of gyan as a practice that that points to mukti impersonal mukti <coughs> there's a whole uh, path called jnana you know the Vedas mainly present these three khandas or three paths karma kanda jnana kanda and bhakti kanda or upasana kanda so in that case jnana has to do with monistic knowledge or or what we may call dry knowledge which actually is something unfavorable to bhakti Rupa Goswami would say Gyan Karmadi Anabritam when he described the type of bhakti that we are after in this school he said so Uttam Bhakti pure bhakti shouldn't be covered by jnana, karma, adi, other things like yoga, tapasya, stuff like this. That's not part of bhakti. So, but that's, that doesn't mean that there's not any knowledge in bhakti. So the word jnana appears also in the context of bhakti. In many places. The Gita and the Bhagavad. For example, in the famous Chatur Shloki of the Bhagavad, where, where Krishna instructs Brahma at the beginning of creation, he used the word jnana. He used the word rahasya as well. So rahasya means secret. In Bhagavad Gita, we also find that. 
without other terms, but vidya. Raja vidya, Raja guhyam. The king of knowledge, which is at the same time the king of secrets. <laughs> so, our particular tradition is a very esoteric one. For example, in our tradition, in, in the Veda, let's go to the Veda for a minute. So, Krishna Bhagavad Gita says, Trigunya Visaya Veda Nistraigunya Babartuna. Three quarters of the Veda speak about the gunas, karma kanda, how to move in the world. And, and one quarter, it's about transcendence. It's the shorter part because the shorter people is interested in that. <laughs> so, that section is called Upanishads. So, what does Upanishad mean? The word Upanishad. Upanishad means sit close. To sit close. So, what does the, the implication to sit close? If I now tell some of you, please, please. It implies. I will tell you a secret. <laughs> so in the Upanishad we find the most secret section that the rest of the Veda. But still quite abstract. <laughs> Difficult to really grasp the real intention of that section. Apparently speaks in terms of promoting impersonal goal. So, because this idea was not clear, as you know, Vyasa presented the sutras. <coughs> there he expanded on the meaning of the Upanishads. <coughs> but still, sutra. Sutra means aphorism, something very short and condensed meaning there. <coughs> on the other side, we have the Bhagavad Gita, for example, which is called the Gita Upanishad also. Means the essence of the Upanishad is presented there. <coughs> but at the same time, where the Gita ends, the Bhagavatam starts. And the Bhagavatam is the natural commentary to Vedanta, as we say. So in the Srimad Bhagavatam, everything makes full circle. <coughs> Bhagavad Gita ends saying, Sarva Dharma Paritya reject all false dharma and Bhagavad starts second verse dharma prolita kaitabo rejecting all false dharma he says we will speak and after that 18,000 verses <laughs> and the Bhagavad finishes at the feet of Mahaprabhu so, last verse of Bhagavatam, Namsan Kirtanam Yasya Sarva Papa Pranasanam, and so on. It's glorifying Namsan Kirtan. So, so Bhagavad Gita finished at the feet of the Bhagavatam, and Srimad Bhagavatam finishes at the feet of Gorlila. <laughs> so, in all these books, there are knowledge. But this is not some sort of dry knowledge. But this actually, let's say, an aspect of bhakti. Hmm? So that's, that's a different thing. 
Sometimes I heard devotees. No, some people, some devotees reading. I heard some say, "Oh, you are a jnani." And that that's not proper to conceive that in that way. Like like in a derogatory way, like, "Oh, you are just intellectually consuming knowledge." Of course, you can, uh, you may approach the books in that way also. <laughs> but that's not the idea. <laughs> you should approach the scripture, the revelation, in a spirit of service, and by the, with the blessings of this of the sadhus. For example, in Gaudiya Mat there was some tradition, and the tradition was. No one, no one will read any book if some sadhu didn't give blessing for that. So the idea was, if I take the book by myself and study it, the result of that will be jnana, ordinary knowledge. But if I take the book because the sadhu instructed me to do that, the result of that study will be bhakti. <laughs> so it's, it seems a similar thing, <laughs> but the background is very different. One thing is I want to know and grasp and understand and intellectually satisfy my senses. That's not bhakti. But if you go to revelation by the order of the sadhu, in order, in, in order to increase your serving disposition, that's something totally different. Even though externally it may seem some similar to the other things. <laughs> so, but it's not so easy to grasp always. So, also we have this idea of Gyan. Krishna Bhagavad speaks about Gyan Yoga in the fourth chapter. And later, and later in the seventh chapter, he speaks about Bigyan Yoga. So, in certain contexts, sometimes the idea of Gyan means knowledge, theoretical knowledge. And Bigyan, B comes from Bishesh, which means special, special, which means realized knowledge. Hmm? So, because between hearing something and realizing something, there has to be some practice in, in between. So sometimes we hear this, this five-fold five category called Shravandas, Bharanadas, uh, Sadhanadas, Apanadas, and Prapanadas. Sorry if I complicate your life with so many Sanskrit terms. <laughs> but I'll try to make it simple. Shravandas means first you hear. You hear from the Guru, from the Sadhu, or you read the scripture, that's a form of hearing. You are hearing printed sounds. So you hear, after that comes Varana, which means accepting what you are hearing. You, because you may read them here, but you are not accepting maybe. <laughs> Inside of you, you are totally denied to what's being said. Or maybe not totally, but partially. <laughs> Some struggle there 
जे दैट्स द ट्रूथ बात सम बात ऑलवेज अपीयर्स यू कैन मेशर योर कंडीशनिंग अकॉर्डिंग टू हाउ मेनी टाइम्स बात इज साउंडिंग देयर व्हेन यू हियर रेवोल्यूशन बात 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 सम स्किल्स स्टिल देयर But the point is, ideally, you hear and you accept what you are hearing. Not in a forced way, but voluntarily, I accept. I understand and I accept. And then sadhana means I practice what I have accepted. You cannot practice something that you have not accepted. <laughs> you cannot practice something you have not understood. That would be niyamagraha, which means you do something without understanding why you are doing it. That's only mechanical imitation. And Rupa Goswami says that will destroy bhakti. <laughs> so you hear, you accept, you practice, and then comes began you have some realization some insight <laughs> and finally uh, prapanadas means you can share that with others but we, you cannot share what you don't have <laughs> so if you are really compassionate to others you will also be focusing your own practice <laughs> because you can only share with others what you have realized through your practice <coughs> so there is this first initial devotional gyan or knowledge you receive sometimes we call it sambanda gyan we have sambanda videya prayojan you have heard about this so sambanda is theoretical knowledge who am I who is Krishna what's the world what's the relationship between all of these items this may be a theoretical thing but that's necessary like when you go to study in the university whatever architecture it's not that you will be constructing a, fl- a house after one year <laughs> First you, have, first you have to receive so much theoretical knowledge <laughs> and you have to understand that and you will be tested in your understanding and so many things have to be there <laughs> before you take one break and start to do something <laughs> because if the understanding is not there you can construct something that will fall apart and you will go to prison <laughs> so in the, same, in the same way you can take a, a sacred book but if you don't understand what you are reading if you don't have proper guidance proper acceptance proper understanding proper practice you, will, you can make a whole disaster in the name of Shruti Smriti Puranadi Pancharatra Vidimbina Akanti Kiharer Bhakti Utpata Diyayi Vakalpate This verse says that 
your if your practice is not properly guided by revelation your so-called devotional service will become an unnecessary disturbance to society. <laughs> so that can happen. <laughs> so Sambanda Gyan is very important. We may translate it as some oriental, no, conceptual orientation. Who am I? What's everything? And from that basis, I act. So when I act, means abhideya, bhakti. Bhakti means the natural result of receiving proper sambanda. Hmm. Because when I understand Krishna is God, I am His servant, all that knowledge will naturally take me to a particular type of activity. That we call bhakti or devotional service. And some result will come from that. Prayojan. So, Gyan will represent this initial uh, education we receive from Guru and Vaishnavas. And Gyan will be the insight that will come as a result of the practice. So, also in the question was included the idea of Divya Gyan. This can be connected, of course. Uh, Divya Gyan, for example, we hear Divya Gyan Hride Prokashito, we sing. Sri <laughs> Guru bestows divine knowledge. That has actually to do with the definition of Diksha. This is the famous verse from Bhakti Sandarbha, Jivoshani speaks about Divya Jnana Tato Jajet like this. Diksha means Guru bestows Divya Jnana to the disciple. Divine knowledge. So what does it mean, divine knowledge? He bestows mantra. So mantra means divine knowledge. Because in that sound, your eternal relationship with Krishna is contained. So, Divya Gyan means Gyan, knowledge about Div or Deva of God. So, in, in, the, in the mantra, all this knowledge is contained actually. Once one, one devotee asks Gorky Shortas Bhavaji. <laughs> Yes. Can you give me Siddha Pranali? Can you reveal my eternal spiritual identity? <laughs> and and Gurkishor Dabaji said, <laughs> that information is present in the syllabs of the Holy Name. <laughs> I mean, it's there. If that didn't come yet, well, keep chanting. <laughs> Of course, a properly chanting, not just mechanical chanting. So the point is, Dibya all the necessary further revelation is contained in those sounds. So when Narottam says in Guru Ban, Dibya Gyan Hride Prokashito, he's referring to this. No? Guru bestows mantra, bestows nam. 
And in those sounds, everything is contained. So when properly cultured, those sounds will give it their fruit in the form of my detailed relationship with Krishna and, and so on. And that can be connected to the idea of rasa. Rasa gyan. Or rasa tattva. That's a, even a higher esoteric topic. On one level, the Vedas generally say atato dharma jignasa. The Vedas. Atato dharma jignasa means try to inquire into dharma. First level, no? It means like, become a dharmic person. Be- become a, a good human being. <laughs> no, become a socially functional person. <laughs> Sometimes we forget that part. <laughs> and we say, no, no, we want to be devotees and transcendental. We spoke about that the first talk. <laughs> And sometimes we speak about transcendence, but we forget to be properly humans. But that should be included in our devotional identity. We should be, we should be exemplarily humans. So on some level, that's the advice. Atato dharma jignasa. Go deep into Dharma and, and behave nicely in the world. At higher level, it comes Atato Brahma Jignasa. It's time to inquire into Brahman, into your nature as spirit, and to be able to discern between spirit and matter all the things, neti neti, <laughs> all these aphorisms of, of Vedanta, Upanishads, you are not that, you are not that, you are that. <laughs> Still quite abstract. <laughs> but eventually we, we, we reach a higher level of inquiry, which is atato rasa jignasa. So for that we have other types of, of books, literature like Srimad Bhagavatam and so many others. So Rasa is a very, well, it's the topmost experience for us. Strictly speaking, the goal of life, we say it's Prema Bhakti. <laughs> but actually, Prema Bhakti is still a general idea. No, when, when Mahaprabhu was speaking with Ramananda Roy at South, in South India, you know this famous conversation they had. Ramananda Sambhad. It's like the Bhagavad Gita of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. <laughs> it is said that Ramananda Roy is one a manifestation of Arjun. Between other manifestations. <laughs> so it is said that in, in Gaur Lila, hmm? You know, Krishna spoke Bhagavad Gita to Arjuna. So in Gaur Lila, Krishna's Mahaprabhu wanted to test Arjuna as Ramananda Roy to see if he understood properly Bhagavad Gita. So he started to question him. And he says, please speak to me about the highest practice and goal. 
ऑफ लाइफ साध्या साधना तत्व अनस्टेन ऑल योर वर्ड्स विद शास्त्र प्रमाण विद वर्ड्स फ्रॉम स्क्रिप्चर So Ramananda starts to answer. In this case, the roles are in, invert, uh, like inverted. You say invertido. Huh? Here, Krishna is the one asking, and Arjuna, Ramananda is the one answering. <laughs> so he starts from a very basic point that is Dharma. So he speaks about Barnasram Dharma. Mahaprabhu says that's superficial. Go on. <laughs> so he starts to speak about so many levels. Mm-hmm. Karma Kanda Niskam Karma Yoga, Karma Misra Bhakti, Gyan Misra Bhakti, Sudha Bhakti, it's a whole journey. So, at one point he says Prem Bhakti. We'll think, well, Mahaprabhu will say, okay, that's it. We finish the conversation here. But no, Mahaprabhu will say, okay, we are just like entering to the into the real thing. <laughs> Go on. So from there he starts to build his argument till he starts to speak about Rasa. So it's a complex subject, I won't enter into detail now. But actually Rasa is a combination of five ingredients of five types of emotions. Try to imagine this. An emotion that is the result of five emotions combined. <laughs> Intense, right? <laughs> no? These emotions are called Saibab, Bibab, Anubab, Satvikabab, Vyavicharibab. And all of them have their subdivisions. Rupa Goswami describe all this in detail in Bhakti Rasamrita We have to go there <laughs> for more detail. But it's a particular type of experience. Sometimes the experience is given with the sweet called Rasala in, 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 in India. Mm-hmm. So this sweet has uh, camphor, yogurt, ghee, sugar, and whatever, something else I cannot remember now. So all of these ingredients have their own taste by themselves, separate. But when you combine all of them in a particular way, oh, this gives a particular, one unique particular taste. <laughs> so Rupa Goswami made that analogy. So, but what's Rasa Tattva or knowledge about Rasa? Once Bhakti Thakur said, if someone says to you that he will that he will teach you about the the sadhana of rasa that person is a cheater or a fool no? in the sense that there is not a practice like in some weeks or days okay I, I have my rasa or that I know I know my rasa this is another topic, but actually rasa is not inherent in the jiva. But it's a result of association. We are not predestined to have a particular rasa. But that will come as a result of sadhu sangha. Because, because of sadhu sangha we receive the, 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 the seed of bhakti initially. 
Well, may, may, may mean that you, you know about ingredients that are, make rasa. You study about the different uh, rasas, Sakya, Vatsalya, Madhurya. Hmm? Uh, and at some stage that's an important information for some devotees. Hmm? And, and, and in order to avoid what we call rasa avas, because sometimes that can happen also. Uh, one thing is tattva, another thing is rasa. One thing is the, the, the philosophical truth, another thing is the, the mood, the, 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 the emotional ecstatic mood, bhava or rasa. So, for example, <laughs> In Tattva, we agree that uh, Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Philosophically, we are agreed. Krishna is two Bhagavan Swayam. <laughs> Philosophically, Tattva is there. Now, you go to Vrindavan and you try to tell that to Jasoda. Try to present her the concept of your son is the Supreme Godhead. Do you think she will agree? <laughs> no. She will contradict the statements of the Upanishads and the Shastra. <laughs> so, how to harmonize that? <laughs> so, so there's a, a, that's the difference there is because of Prasa or Bhav. She has a particular emotion that takes her to see Krishna on other terms. Mm-hmm. But that's sustained in Tattva also. Uh, she has the proper knowledge of, about philosophically who is Krishna. But that knowledge is too, too, too covert by his particular affection for Krishna. <laughs> Sometimes that knowledge may come on the surface but only to increase the emotional disposition of the Vrādhavāsīs. <laughs> For example, when Krishna lifts Govardhan Hill, you won't find a more Aishwarik Līlā than that. A lot of power there. Imagine, five-year-old child lifting a hill. I mean, it's overtly extraordinary. <laughs> and not only lifting a hill, quite a huge hill, you know, for circumambulating government, you are like, what, six hours walking at fast pace. <laughs> and he was lifting that with his left hand, his less powerful hand, and with the less powerful finger of his less powerful hand. <laughs> and not only for a while, for a week. <laughs> so all that combined 
create a big contrast that you will start to wonder who is this, this child? But the most surprising thing of all is that no one in Brindam was wondering that. <laughs> the most surprising thing was not that Krishna was lifting over them. <laughs> the most surprising thing is that everybody was not aware of, oh, he's lifting over and this must be extraordinary. No one would think that. No, just so that was near Krishna who was feeding him something to eat, thinking, you know, he must be tired of lifting the heel for seven days, eat something. <laughs> she was sending her friends Madhu Mangal Subha go to Krishna and make some massage in his muscles because he must be really tired of lifting the heel yeah. and the elders Rajabhas were thinking oh, he must be tired and you see this picture all of them with the sticks trying to help him to sustain the heel with the stick <laughs> so you see that makes no sense <laughs> they should be realizing that Krishna is God <laughs> but they have no mind for that <laughs> so all that opulence Krishna is showing all increases their affection for him as a friend as a son as a so after Krishna puts, puts Govardhan back in, on, in the soil in the ground some Rajabasi went to Nanda Maharaj. Some for for a second, some except except excepticism came in the mind of one Rajabasi. <laughs> so he asked him, "Well, there there must be some extraordinary thing in your son." But of course, the way the Rajabasi solved that very quickly. They say, well, you know, Gargacharya, Gargamuni say when he made the name ceremony for Krishna, he will be blessed by Narayan, but God to do incredible feats. That's all, fear, another topic. <laughs> no, no more argument no, between them. <laughs> but at one point, Nandamara said, <laughs> Even if Krishna is God, no? first he is my son. <laughs> Second he is God. <laughs> Try to imagine the psychology there in Vrindavan. <laughs> okay, maybe Krishna is God. But first he is a brother of us. First he is our friend, our son, our love. And the most astonishing thing is that not only the Brajavasis think like that, but Krishna himself feels himself, I am a Brajavasi. That's his Abhiman, his self-identity. In Vrindavan, he's not aware that he's God at all. There's one section in Brihad Bhagavatam Brita, already reaching the, the hour. <laughs> um, where Narad Muni comes, goes to Krishna and he says, Oh Krishna, I have one question for you. During all those leelas that you killed so many demons in Vrindavan, 
No, you were still a child, a babe in some cases. You, you killed Putana having some days only. You had, and she was a demon, a demon woman of big, like kilometers long. <coughs> so my question is, uh, did you experience some difficulty in dealing with these demons? Such big asuras and you just a little child. Some difficulty was there for you? Or some difficulty was there at that period of your life in Brindavan? So Krishna said, no, no difficulty. When killing, he started to remember. No? Putana, Agasura, Trinavarta. No, no difficulty. But Narada insisted. But some difficulty, maybe? So Krishna thinks a little bit. <laughs> and he said, now, okay, now that you question again, yes, there was some difficulty. Sound like uncomfortable moments in that period. <laughs> and he said, my difficulty was at that moment when sages like you came and started to pray to me and saying, Oh, Supreme God and Controller of all universes. And you started to remind me about I'm God. Well, I was in Vrindavan, totally forgotten about my Godhood. So you came and you created some difficulty by those prayers. <laughs> so now Muni was like... Sorry. <laughs> so, actually Krishna is not God, but God is an aspect of Krishna. We have a very particular theology. <laughs> so, we are not so much interested in God, in God when He is in the government house, <laughs> but when God is at home when God wants to be himself. No? Because this is the example of the president of the states. No? One thing is the president in the government house, he conducts himself very formally. No? There is some distance there. You cannot go and embrace the president. But when the president goes back home, maybe his grandson is there waiting. And the grandson is not thinking, the president of Czech Republic is coming here. He's thinking, grandpa is coming. <laughs> so he enters and, and the grandson jumps on the head of, the, of his grandpa. And he says, go to the floor and walk like a snake. <laughs> and he's the president of the country. <laughs> But the president goes to the floor and says, "I like to walk like this," <laughs> because of for, because of the power of affection of his grandson. That that affection makes the president forget he's the president. And that moment, his abhiman, his identity is, "I'm the grandfather of my grandson." So he's a president in one place, but he's himself at home. So the same applies to Krishna. Vishnu <laughs> Narayan is God, the president. 
cosmic controller. But Krishna is God at home. When he forgets about his job, <laughs> he is himself fully. Because of that, Prabhupada said, Supreme Personality of Godhead. God has different uh, aspects of his personality, but there is a Supreme One. And Supreme is connected to the word Prem, Supreme. Prem and Su in Sanskrit means like very much. <laughs> so the more the Prem, the more Supreme the aspect of God. And you won't find any place with higher Prem than Vrindavan. <laughs> so there is such a Prem that Krishna's Godhood is outside of Vrindavan. And if that appears at some point, it's only to increase the intimacy of the love there. <laughs> like this example of Nanda Maharaj. Nanda Maharaj said, okay, Krishna maybe is God. But first is my son. <laughs> so, he accepted his God, <laughs> but he accepted in such a way that it increases his feeling as a par- father of Krishna. <laughs> so he said, maybe, maybe Krishna is God, but first he is my son. So as a father, I will, if he needs, I will correct him, I will chastise him, I will educate him. <laughs> so he's, so his Vatsalia like overflows. <laughs> So again, this is rasa consideration. <laughs> but for us, in order to enter there, first we have to be firmly established in the other type of gyan, sambanda gyan, siddhanta, tattva. We just cannot imitate the Brajavasis. I will forget that Krishna is God and I will relate to him as whatever. First, we have to really know how Krishna is God in order that someday we may forget that <laughs> and see him in terms of a particular rasa or loving relationship. Some words. <laughs> some words. Much more could be said, but maybe some other question is there. So we have some time. I don't know if you would like to ask something, comment something. <coughs> no? We have a special prize for those who have a question. Double Prashad plate. <laughs> There everyone yeah. <laughs> well, it seems you have to continue with your questions. In this uh, point of I am and the Sambar, huh. you speak the one uh, consideration that uh, I, Ramanadara uh, is Arjuna, huh. and nicely explain the point of Bhagavad Gita and this teaching and this huh. Jnana Tattva. And in the uh, consideration, so that uh, Raya Manada is Vishaka, mm. it's like 
He's going to suddenly giving this point that uh, he fell down on his head and he see the fall like this. The Mahaprabhu. Yeah, Darshan, and mm. because this Vishaka never see such union mm. and like this. Mm. You can take because it's different opinion. Eh? Mm-hmm. One is, uh, is actually everything going together, mm-hmm. but one is, as you said, Arjuna, and another is Vishaka. You can speak a little bit about this? Yeah. You know, explain <laughs> the point. You explain the Arjuna and the Bhagavad Gita and yeah. also this point of Vishaka. Well, yeah. Okay. So, on one side we have that Arjuna is considered, uh, was is considered Arjuna. This was said by Mahaprabhu himself. When he met Bhavananda Roy, who is the father of Ramananda Roy, he said, You are Pandu, and your five sons are the, are the Pandavas. And in that context, he mentioned Ramananda Arjuna. <laughs> but on the other side we find in another text like, I don't know, Gorganodesha Deepika and others which we, where they describe who is who in Krishna Lina Gorlila. <laughs> Ramananda is described as, as Visaka. Visaka. Even in some other books, <laughs> to further complicate the issue, <laughs> it is said that Ramananda is Lalita. Main opinion is Visaka. But I read here there some Lalita opinion. And even some fourth opinion, <laughs> speaking about him being a gopi called Arjuniya Gopi. <laughs> Things sometimes things are not so simple. <laughs> so we may ask, well, how how to understand that? Is he only one of those identities? All of them? <clears throat> so first of all, we should understand that we are speaking about Nitya Parishads or eternal associates. So generally these Nitya Parishads are Jivas but they are constituted from a different energy. They are not Tatasta Jivas. Yesterday we spoke about Tatasta Shakti. And generally we say, okay, Jivas come from that energy. Not planet, energy. Come. <laughs> are made of. But there's also the existence of jivas who are made of another shakti. Swarup shakti. Swarup shakti jivas. Sometimes it is said, the, the eternally liberated souls are coming from Balaram, and the eternally conditioned souls come from Mahavishnu. This is clearly clear explained by Srila Jiva Goswami in his Sandarbhas. Bhagavad Sandarbha and especially Paramatma Sandarbha. <laughs> Actually, how our source, if you will, <laughs> is Mahavishnu. And someone little thing connected to yesterday, and I continue. And sometimes when we hear that we come from this some sort of homogeneous situation, from homogeneity to heterogeneity to individuality 
Uh, sometimes that's understood as Brahman. Actually, that's, that's referring to the state of the Jiva inside Mahavishnu. Uh, when Mahavishnu is in Susupti in his mystical dream. Between the different creational cycles, when, when one creational cycle finishes, all the jivas that are still there without obtaining mukti enter into Mahavishnu till the next exhalation. So that stay there inside Mahavishnu is a temporary merging there. <laughs> I need to say that at that moment the experience of being there is, uh, is almost identical to the experience of attaining Brahman. And because of that some acharyas have described them almost as, as, as the identical. But well, that's only one mention regarding yesterday's topic. But the point is that Ramananda Roy is a Swarup Shakti Jiva. <laughs> so if a soul is made of Swarup Shakti, it presents different possibilities than a Tatasta Jiva. For even we, being Tatasta Jivas, when we associate with Swarup Shakti, with Bhakti, we have the potential to, for example, develop two identities. No? That's mentioned in the scriptures. Bhakti Nautakur speaks about that in Naudi Bhavataranga and so many others. The point is, in this life, if we worship Mahaprabhu and Krishna, and we develop an affinity towards Krishna Lila Vrindavan and Gaur Lila Navadu. When we reach perfection in our practice, in this lifetime or whenever, we will acquire two different eternal identities. In one, we'll be, we will be serving Krishna in Golagrindavan. In the other, we will be serving Mahaprabhu in Nityanavadu. So try to imagine, even us have the potential to have two identities. <laughs> and we are Tatasta Jivas, infinitesimal Jivas. So, what to speak of eternal associates who are composed of a different, a different Shakti, Swarup Shakti. So much more opportunities there. So ideally, if you hear that Brahmananda Roy is three persons at the same time, <laughs> that shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> because Swarup Shakti can accommodate all this by right. So I, 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 would, I wouldn't connect this point of Arjuna and, and, and Vishaka to the idea of Gyan or Rasa. I, I, I wouldn't do that. Because that's not necessarily connected. In, in both cases there is a type of Gyan and there is a type of Rasa. So. 
And, and I would say also that, that Ramananda Roy is mainly identified with Visakha. And, and he also is identified with Arjuna, but mainly because of this exchange that Mahaprabhu had with Ramananda. Like, like this, like the parallel of the Bhagavad Gita there. But we know as, as the, as the Gaur Lila goes on, especially in the Ante Lila of Mahaprabhu, when he, when he enters the Gambira during his last 12 years, he's no longer a public figure there. He doesn't go out from the Gambira. And at that point, he's only with Swarup Damar and Ray Ramananda. Why? Because, remember, Mahaprabhu is Krishna trying to taste Radha So, in, in, in his last years, he's systematically absorbed in doing that. No more preaching, no more public chanting, no more instructing others, just focused in his prime purpose of descending. So for Krishna to taste that love, he, he, needs, he needs the assistance of the two closest friends of Radha. And they are Lalita and Vishaka, of course. So they are there next to Krishna, uh, to Mahaprabhu, assisting him. And where is Sri Mataradharan in all this? Who is Sri Mathuradharan in Gorlila? Gadadhar Pandit. So Gadadhar Pandit has totally disappeared in the background at that point. <laughs> That's another topic, very interesting, very esoteric. <laughs> but how, as Mahaprabhu progresses in his tasting of Radhavav, Gadadhar Pandit recedes to the background because Gadadhar is, Gadadhar is Sri Radha giving her own bhav to Krishna in, in, in doses, in quotes because it's too intense <laughs> so when at the end Mahaprabhu at the end of his lila he tastes fully Radha bhav He's bathing himself in the glory of his attainment. Gadada Pandit has totally disappeared in Tota Gopinath in Puri. Because at that point, Gadada is Radharani herself totally emptying herself so Krishna can have her full experience. <laughs> so actually properly understood the position of Gadada Pandit is much more glorious than that of Mahaprabhu <laughs> his level of uh, uh, of uh, abnegation giving, giving himself fully so Mahaprabhu can taste that's a very important, interesting point. And in that sense, Gadar Pandit is the most important figure of all Gorlila. But paradoxically, it's the figure that you heard the less about. 
<laughs> so he or she, no, Radharani Galadhar, is totally in the background, but allowing the whole main purpose of Gorlila going on. And he has to be at a distance because Mahaprabhu is Krishna wanting to be Radha. So of course if Radha is there, that will remind Krishna, oh here is Radha, <laughs> and I am Krishna. But Mahaprabhu is Krishna wanting to be Radha. <laughs> so Radharani has to be at some distance. <laughs> and she allows that. <laughs> and she serves Krishna in that special mood. So that's a very a very confidential type of worship. But do not talk worship Gaur Gadadar in Godrum. Another acharya like Bhakti Pramod Puri Maharaj also says if you want to enter into the worship of Radha and Krishna and Vrindavan, you have to go through the worship of Gaur Gadadar in Navadip as well. So, <laughs> some ideas regarding the, the question. <clears throat> I don't know, something else? Just starting. <laughs> question, topic, or whatever. Yeah, people from Czech Republic are really shy. <laughs> Already three days, but still some more time is required. <laughs> what would you say is the main inspiration for you to live the way of life you live? Again, the first part, I heard the last one. But the main inspiration for you to live the way of life you are living? What do you mean by my way of life? As a sannyasi or as a devotee or as something in particular? Sorry? Take it as you wish. Okay, okay. I just wanted to know if there was some specific idea there. Okay. My main concern was a devotee, not a sannyasi. Yeah, that's a, that's a main thing, of course. No? Sannyasi is secondary consideration. Well, uh, we enter into the testimony section. That <laughs> is nice. I, I mean, I will speak about me, but actually I won't speak about me. No, I will speak about how divine grace affected my life. So, it's a way of glorifying Krishna and Vaishnavas. <laughs> uh, actually, I, mean, I am only byproduct of the mercy of my guardians. <laughs> That's how I, I, I choose to conceive myself. I, I, I am only a, a, the result of the mercy of my guardians. There is no personal merit there. So what did took me to, to choose the life I, I'm taking? Well, personally I feel this is not the first lifetime I'm practicing. I feel it. And again, by saying that, I'm not saying I'm special. <laughs> because if I started practicing in some previous lifetime, it was because of the grace of someone. 
So I'm saying that because I may say in this lifetime what took me to practice was maybe things that happened in the previous lifetime. <coughs> but, but anyway, besides that point, uh, well, I personally I was really in a big existential crisis in my teenage years. So I was practically was not able to function at, at all apart from solving that crisis. I really found no, no meaning in life apart from knowing the meaning of life. <laughs> so I was really, really, really hungering for answers. And at that time, 20 years ago, there was no internet. <laughs> It sounds like Satya Yuga, <laughs> only 20 years ago. <laughs> so you, you were not able to go to Google and put existential crisis, how to solve it. <laughs> so I was trying to find whatever was in my way, some books, some people, some places, grabbing here and there. So... So, well, eventually, I'm making a long story short because so many chapters are there. <laughs> so, finally, I got in touch with uh, one book. Uh, it was not from written by, by Gaudiya Vaishnav. It was written by Joseph Campbell. He's a famous, uh, like... Indo- not Indologist, but someone who is studies a lot myths and religions like this. So in this book he was narrating Dhamudar Lila. And many other, many, many other Eastern like myths, if you will, to call myths or stories. He called them. So from there, I, we, with one friend of mine, we became very much attracted to that Krishna. <laughs> So, well, eventually, as I said the other day, Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita came to me and to my friend as well. And that really was like the turning point before and after that. Uh, and also in the midst of that, I, I, was, I remember chanting myself Harinam, but I didn't have Japa Mala. I, I, I went to the rooftop in my... In, in the in the flat I was living, where there is this like strings where people put the clothes to dry, <laughs> and I cut <laughs> and I started to make knots. <laughs> I was not able to make the 108. Hopefully 54. I don't remember. <laughs> and also I remember <laughs> chanting in one moment, and I still remember that in my room, in my house, I received some I don't know how to describe it in words, but this was a real. Absolute confirmation. <laughs> so I was not able to, 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 to realize what's, go, what's going on here. So after that, similar happened when I get Bhagavad Gita. After that, eventually I went to the temple. So first time I was entering the temple, walking the stairs. First floor was the temple at that time. Some an unexpected sensation invaded me. And the sensation was, you are arriving home. Not in words, but sensation. Huh? This is home. 
very overwhelming. <laughs> so many confirmations, huh? And of course, I, I, I entered the temple and I, and I confirmed, yes, this is home. <laughs> Eventually, after some months, I met my, my Guru Maharaj. Again, some confirmation there. <laughs> I remember receiving his first embrace. And again, some overwhelming feeling came. And I have this idea of, I would like to remain forever in this embrace. So, of course, all the things were creating some impact in me. And as much as I go, and, I, and as much as I, I went deep into the teachings, into the association, I only received further and further confirmations of where I was. And, and I really like also to, to learn and read from many traditions. <laughs> so in that sense I put myself to test. <laughs> by getting in touch with different teachings and teachers. But as much as I appreciate them, the, 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 uh, it increased at the same time my attachment to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So, actually, my feeling is I have received such a gift. It's a costless gift. It's not my merit. It's not my capacity. I never did anything to be able to deserve that. I'm not even though if I may do so many things, I will never be able to deserve that. Of course, it doesn't mean that I won't do anything. <laughs> but even though as much as I may do, as much as I may sacrifice myself, the gift increases, <laughs> increases. So my debt increases. <laughs> By the increasing of that depth with the higher plane <laughs> is what is saving me from the karmic depth from the lower plane. <laughs> so you choose to have a depth with this world or to have a depth with the other world. So actually I feel what I have received is so noble it's such a high idea it has, it has come to me in such a generous disposition and, and, and no matter no matter how much I afford myself to escape from that <laughs> the gift is still there <laughs> because sometimes the divine grace comes to us and we are very expert to escape from grace <laughs> to be to have apathy for grace to be indifferent to it but, but no matter how, how expert we are from escaping from that that grace is still there, always. No, there, there won't be a day that you will see Gopinath without playing his flute. 
They won't be a day. It's not that one day Krishna was tired, I'm not calling you anymore. No. So, he's always calling us. No. Mahaprabhu is always no. inviting us with his mudra. No. This mudra, this mudra from the top to... Radha Rani is always giving mercy. So, that department is always open. <laughs> So I felt myself, oh, so many times I have failed. So many times I have gone, gone against mercy. And still there that mercy is offering itself to me. So that's too much. So naturally I felt a, a, a bigger and bigger depth in that direction. And, and when I appreciate the, the sadhu sangha that I have received in this life and so many incredible devotees that have graced my existence <laughs> I cannot conceive of doing something else from trying to reciprocate to them <laughs> I mean, what they have given me is so special but I cannot conceive living my life apart from that. <laughs> that that would be very ungrateful so and again if I feel all these things <laughs> it's by the grace that have come to me <laughs> not by myself separate from that grace because I know who I can be separate from grace. <laughs> you stop chanting your round from some days and you will know that quickly. <laughs> try, try to escape from the shelter of the divine and immediately you, you found your, the ordinary side of yourself. So that ordinary side I feel that's, that's no longer representing me. Maybe that's still there on some level. But I, I'm, I don't want to, to be identified with that anymore. Because I have received a new identity from the Vaishnavas. <laughs> the identity of the servant. So I want to focus my life in that, in that, in that direction. Even though it may be difficult, and even though I may fail so many times again. But my, my hope is that Mahaprabhu, Sri Guru, Vaishnavas, they are not judging me or nor us. According to what we did in the past, so that's like whew, big relief. And they are not judging us according to we are still in the present. <laughs> so that's double big relief, <laughs> at least for me. <laughs> they are only considering us according to which as uh, which is our ideal in the future. They are only considering us according to what we 
want to become. So that's a very generous approach. Try to imagine. In this world, people judge you because some thing you did 25 years ago. <laughs> and they will say, yes, I, I know you. You did this 25 years ago. I know you. <laughs> no chance of improving, of changing. <laughs> That's not generous. But the, the higher plane, the sadhus, they are not looking at who we were and who we are, but who we can be. They are only seeing our potential. They are not seeing any other thing. Try to imagine how generous is that I. Because so many faults are still here. <laughs> but Sri Guru looks at me and he's not looking my faults. But he's looking my potential as a servant, as a lover. He's trying to nurture that. <laughs> Uh, yes, maybe he looks at the thing, tries to arrange something, but mainly identify with who you can become. <laughs> so, that's what we call unconditional love. <laughs> unconditional love means I love you no, no matter how disastrous you are yet. <laughs> I love you with the disaster included. Generally, for us, it's very difficult in this world to. Once one devotee said this, I like this theory, very interesting. He said, Why it's so difficult for us to recognize our mistakes? That's difficult. Generally, it's not easy for us for us to ourselves recognize our own mistakes. And he said something very interesting. He said, it's difficult for us to recognize our mistakes because we are, we are in a world where someone will love you only if you are perfect. So, if you have some mistake, it means nobody will love me. And I will remain alone. And nobody wants that. <laughs> so we are so much afraid of not being loved that we do not want to recognize our mistakes. We want to show ourselves perfect in the world. But that's not real. We have mistakes. So, the point is that in this world we only find conditional love. Conditional love means I love you with conditions. <laughs> A big contract is there with many points. <laughs> I will love you if... I will love you if... If you go with the contract, the conditions, I love you. <laughs> But that's superficial. And, and that won't last too long. So the real thing is unconditional love. Unconditional love is, I won't, I won't, uh, I will love you right now. I won't wait till you are perfect. It's easy to love someone if it's perfect. 
The real challenge is love someone with imperfections. Jesus Christ says, love your enemies. Because it's easy to love your friends. <laughs> and real challenge is love your enemy. <laughs> so, unconditional love means someone is loving us. But we didn't do anything to deserve that love. But that love is still coming. So naturally that will touch your heart. <laughs> Not only touch, but hopefully melt your heart. And, and, and with time, that love is still coming. And maybe you are still imperfect on certain level. But since that love is still coming, that love will be the inspiration for you to change your imperfections. So, so now I am pretty imperfect. But if I have transcended some imperfections, it's because of the unconditional love I received during those imperfect times. <laughs> so I personally feel eternally indebted in that direction. So, there, no matter what I can do, the debt will be always there, fortunately. <laughs> but I, I hopefully will try my best in order to repay something of what I have received. Even, even though it's not possible to fully pay back that. What we spoke in the beginning, no? Some, some sort of dissatisfaction. <laughs> Krishna himself said that to the Rajabhasis in the Bhagavatam. Napara yeham nirabhadya sanjujan sa sadhu kritam vibhudaya sarpiva jamabhajan durjara geha shrinkala samvrishya tadva pratiyatu sadhuna. It's a very nice verse from the Bhagavatam. And Krishna says to the gopis, actually the love you have for me, I cannot repay back that. Well, Krishna is contradicting himself. Because in the Bhagavad Gita, he says, <laughs> According to how you worship me, I will reciprocate. <laughs> but we are no longer in the Bhagavad Gita, we are in the Bhagavatam now. <laughs> so, higher level. And there Krishna says to the gopis, I cannot repay back your love now. <laughs> Because it's so high that actually, I, 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 not only I cannot pay back, but I want to change that. So I do not have a reward for your love, but actually your love is the reward. So Krishna ended with this famous quote, let your love be your, its own reward. So Krishna himself felt eternally indebted to the Brajavasis. And he, due to their unconditional love, because Krishna feels like that, he feels, I've done so many mistakes, I've let Vrindavan, and they still love me. <laughs> I promise I will be back in two days, but never return. 
but their love for me increased more and more. So, I mean, I'm a criminal, says Krishna. <laughs> it is said that when Krishna spoke this verse, I quoted, he appeared with, with his yellow chatter above his head and neck. So at that point, at that moment, that symbolized in India a criminal wears that clothes like that. Imagine Krishna presented himself as a criminal before the gopis. I said something, I didn't do that, and so many other things I did, and you still love me. And you still love me more and more. So Krishna felt himself indebted. And also Mahaprabhu is an attempt to, to solve that, that debt in some degree. <coughs> because of, of that, in that verse, Krishna says, So Sadhu Kritam, I will descend in Kali Yuga as a Sadhu. Krishna says to the gopis, I will come as a Sadhu, Mahaprabhu, and I will try to preach the glories of your love to the world. And, and he said to Srimati and he said to Srimati Radhani, I will try to make devotees of you. And that will be my humble attempt in trying to repay this debt, something like <laughs> So Krishna comes as Mahaprabhu to experience Radhavab and to preach the glories of the love of the Bradavasis. <laughs> Mahaprabhu is Krishna trying to solve his debt, to pay something of the debt. <laughs> but the point is, whatever Krishna gives to the Bradavasis, immediately Bradavasis take that and, and transform that in an offering of service to Krishna. <laughs> So Krishna finds himself more and more indebted. He said once to the gopis, for example, you only love me, but I, I have so many devotees and I, and I have to reciprocate to all. To my friends, to my parents, to my cows, to devotees in another places, out of Vrindavan, so I'm in some way somehow deluded. <laughs> but you are not divided at all. You are totally focused on me. So your love for me is higher than my love for you. Of course, when Radharani hears that, she will say, no, no, it's not like that. <laughs> I, I do not love you, she says to Krishna. <laughs> because... I have, I, I have been in separation from you and I'm still alive. So that's a proof I do not love you. If I really will love you, I will have died in separation. <laughs> so in this way, both parties express their unconditional love. <clears throat> and both parties feel, actually I do not have love. You will never hear that Krishna says to Radharani, I love you, and Radharani says to Krishna, I love you. Both of them feel, 
I don't love you, but I would like to love you. Actually, they love each other. But again, the nature of love is such <laughs> that it's always increasing. So the scriptures say, the one who has love will feel he has, he has no love. And the one who has no love will feel I have love. <laughs> so in this way, I, I, I feel very very fortunate, very blessed. And that's what keeps me going day after day. And of course, not every day is the same. There are problems. There are ups and downs. I mean, we have to be honest and realistic. Of course, some devotees may have different problems than the other. It's one with their own samskars. <coughs> but that's there as, as part of the devotional life of the devotee. There's no problem in admitting that. We, don't, we are not here to make a show of perfection. Sila Sermaj will say perfection is more like an, uh, a demand of the ego. The heart doesn't demand perfection. Unconditional love doesn't demand perfection. So our path is in the heart, not from the ego. So, so we have to remember that over and over again. I am being loved despite my present imperfection. So if we are really sincere about that, we will immediately feel inspired to continue. <laughs> no matter which obstacles, and I know sometimes there can be really complex situations in life. But what to do? We have to continue. And nothing so high has come in our lives as Krishna consciousness. <laughs> so we should never leave that in some way or another. We may externally, for some reason, sometimes become, I, I've known cases of devotees, become some distance. But internally Krishna is very tricky and won't leave us so easily. <laughs> I remember once I was in... in oh, okay. One, some more minutes and I finish. Uh, once I was in Chile, I was in the street distributing Bhagavad Gita's golden brahmachari years <laughs> On the, in the buses actually distributed so I was in the street and someone said the classical huh? Haribo <laughs> actually many times I hear Haribo and actually no one is saying Haribo <laughs> I think if someone ha that happened to some of you also ok I'm not the mad only mad one <laughs> So, actually, I, I got close to some person like 50, 60 years old. He was selling that this, I don't know, art crafts, like earrings and like stuff that people do with themselves. <coughs> and I said, oh, you know, you know the devotees. 
He said, yes, I am Prabhupada disciple. <laughs> so we start to speak, of course. No? Uh, of course, he was in, externally, he was not officially connected to the practice for some years. He, he shared to me the situations that took him in that direction and so on. But he remained very favorable, of course. Well, we spoke for a while and I, and I was leaving. So he called me and said, but I have to say you one thing. No, he really looked straight to my eyes. And, he, and his eyes became like moistened with tears. And he said, no matter what you do, you will, ne- you will never be able to forget Krishna. No? <laughs> so, so, that's our fortune, he wants us. Of course, we shouldn't exploit that. <laughs> But that's our, our hope. <coughs> Once Shilapsir Maras told a very nice story. He said there were two policemen in India. In Vrindavan, actually. <laughs> and, and one policeman said to the other one, Well, I think it's a problem that our God is a thief. Huh? Because we are policemen. <laughs> we are against crime. <laughs> but our God is stealing, uh, is lying, as he say, is a, is a, is a playboy, <laughs> transcendental, but playboy. <laughs> so, but especially he was speaking about this stealing issue. So the other policemen say, no, no, no problem. Actually, that's the, our greatest fortune. <coughs> Why? Because a good thief, if he really wants to go to the, that he wants to obtain to the reward, no matter if there are high walls, locked doors, he will manage to get what he wants. A good thief. And Krishna is a good thief. And those high walls and locked doors, those things we have established around our heart. But Krishna is such a good thief that he will go over that and he will get to our heart. That's our hope. <laughs> Even though we have constructed so many obstacles in the way, <laughs> Our hope is that Krishna is a thief. So every time we say Hari Bol, you have to be aware of what that means. Hari Bol means you are calling the thief to come. <laughs> so be prepared for the consequences of that. <laughs> so because of that, we say Hari Bol as much as we can. Calling the thief. So, so that should, ideally, I think that should be our our attitude. Mm-hmm. What, what, what has come to my life is so incredible mm-hmm. that even if I have to wait for thousands of lifetime, lifetimes to properly serve that, I should be ready to, for doing that. No problem. 
Because what's what's some sometimes one devotee asks Srila Siddha Maharaj how many lifetimes will that will it take to reach to Golak Brindal? <laughs> Particular question. <laughs> so he said, Well, if you start in this lifetime and you're practicing really nicely, maybe two, three lifetimes. So some devotees may say, Two, three lifetimes? <laughs> it sounds like too much. But if you really appreciate what's the gift given by Mahaprabhu, two, three lifetimes is nothing. After so many unlimited lifetimes wandering here and there in this world, <laughs> to be able to receive the highest treasure of divine love in such a time, we should be ready for that and more. <laughs> One more story and I close my discourse. <laughs> A very nice Lila in, in connected to Mahaprabhu and Mukunda, famous Kirtaniya from Mahaprabhu's group, singer, dancer. So once it seems it seems that once Mukunda did something that displeased Mahaprabhu. No, he was he, he he got some bad association there. No, he was not affected, Mukunda, but that but that set not a nice example for the rest. So Mahaprabhu was not pleased, and he chastised Mukunda, which was the chastisement. He forbid Mukunda of having his daily darshan. So now try to imagine what that means. First of all, try to imagine what does it mean to really see Mahaprabhu. And after that, try to imagine what does it mean to, after really seeing him, stop seeing him. So that's too much intense. We, we hear about this, when devotees really see the Lord and the Lord disappears, oh, <laughs> they are thrown in an ocean of desperation. And actually to say that in, in higher stages Krishna will give darshan to the devotee. Vishwanath explains that, Vishwanath Chakravarti in the Madhurya Kadambini. Baba stage mainly Krishna will give darshan to the devotee in, and he will disappear but he will do that confirmed <laughs> he will do that in order to throw the devotee in an ocean of desperation so he may develop the, the required hankering to finally obtain him forever so in this case Mukunda is an eternal associate of Mahaprabhu but here in the Boma Lila in the earthy Lila he forbid him no? he said no more association so Mukunda was totally devastated he was in his house thrown on the floor crying crying a pool of tears and the only thing he was he could think about is when I will see Mahaprabhu again. 
There was no other meaning to life apart from that. When I will see my, the Lord of my life again, my Praneshwar, my Prananat, that means the Lord of my Prana. Prana means vital air, vital air. Breathing. The Lord of my breathing. I only breathe through Him. <laughs> so now that I cannot see Him, my breathing is stopping. My life is sleeping me. <laughs> but Mahaprabhu, externally Mahaprabhu behaved in a very strict way. It seemed even cruel, cruel. But there was some teaching there. So the other devotees of Mahaprabhu were the, were the ones who in, intercede, you say, intercede between one and the other. So there were suffering so much for seeing Mukunda's suffering. So daily they were visiting Mukunda <laughs> and sharing the news of Mahaprabhu's lilas. So that gave some life air to Mukunda. <laughs> but uh, at one point, after some days, Mukunda again had only one question in mind. And he presented that question to the devotees. So he said to the devotees, can you please ask something to Mahaprabhu in my name? And they said, yes, of course. Okay, so please ask him when he will give me again his darshan. That's the only thing that concerns me in this life. <laughs> okay, then what to say? I w- we will ask that. So they returned to Mahaprabhu's quarters <laughs> and, they, and, 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 and they told him, we, ha- we are just returning from Mukunda's place. So Mahaprabhu very seriously said, what does he want? So the devotees were like, See, he has a question. Mahaprabhu looking into another direction. What? So the devotees were there. Mahaprabhu, what? Uh, he wants to know where you will give him his, your darshan again. So Mahaprabhu said, in a million lifetimes, like very seriously. So the devotees were totally struck because they they understood. I mean, if we say that to Mukunda, we'll kill him, basically. So and he's waiting for our answer. So we have to go and we have to give the answer, and we will kill him. <laughs> and none of us want to kill Mukunda. <laughs> so they were in this dilemma when they were going back to Mukunda's place. So finally they reached there <coughs> and Mukunda was lying on the ground again in agony waiting for the answer. <laughs> so on the way that the devotees were saying you tell him, you tell him, you tell, no, not me, not me. <laughs> you kill him, you kill him. <laughs> I don't want to kill Mukunda. <laughs> so finally they arrived and Mukunda looked, no? looked and, at them and asked the question did you ask Mahaprabhu and they said yes and did he answer something yes <laughs> they didn't want to tell so, what did he answer so 
So they're looking between themselves. Finally, yeah, someone so says, no, someone said, he said that he will give you again his darshan in a million lifetimes. So all of them were like expecting the greatest tragedy there. Like, they say that and they like, <laughs> what will happen now? <laughs> but Mukunda reacted in a very particular way. So he started to jump and dance and celebrate. Jai Mahaprabhu, Jai Gauravivo, Gauravivo, and dancing and chanting. So the devotees were like astonished. So they started to wonder maybe he didn't hear the answer properly. <laughs> maybe he heard one week or, or one million milliseconds. <laughs> So they tell again to Mukunda, Mukunda, one million lifetimes, <laughs> like like implying you shouldn't be celebrating that, <laughs> you should be dying. <laughs> and Mukunda kept singing and dancing, and he said, no, no, I, I heard properly. And he said, but what's one million lifetimes compared to, res- to regaining Mahaprabhu's darshan? There is no point of comparison. If, if to reobtain Mahaprabhu's darshan, I have to wait one million lifetime. That's a pretty cheap price to pay. So I'm totally dis- ready to pay that price. He continues dancing. <laughs> I will pay that price one million lifetime singing and dancing, celebrating that future opportunity. <laughs> so the devotees return to Mahaprabhu's quarter. And even though Mahaprabhu even though Mahaprabhu was pretending to be angry actually he was he was waiting to hear the news about how Mukunda reacted. <laughs> so the devotees came and Mahaprabhu looked at them. So you went to see Mukunda? He was pretending to be a little, a little angry yet, a little bit, not so much like before. Yes, Mukunda, yes. So. And what did he say? Oh, he was like... <laughs> so they want to say no, he started to dance, celebrate. Huh? And he said, one million lifetime, that's nothing. In order to regain your darshan. So Mahabharu heard that answer. I said, bring Mukund immediately here, right now. The million lifetimes is over. <laughs> because Krishna is time, no? He says in Bhagavad Gita, Kalosmi, I am time. So, since he's time, maybe for him one million lifetime is one second. <laughs> he can move time as, as he wants. So, so, this is the teaching of, of this nice Lila. Mukunda was really appreciating the darshan of Mahaprabhu is such a thing that one million liked him waiting for that. I'm ashamed to wait so little for that. <laughs> that was his real feeling. One million liked and only that? Oh, I feel ashamed to just only pay that price. <laughs> But sometimes we, in our daily life, became so impatient. 
I but some fool, but some fool stupid thing. We want to leave the whole practice. <laughs> so we are already thinking about something else. Which will what will replace Krishna now? <laughs> so we should become stronger in our emotions, in our faith. So we should develop our our loyalty, our chastity to our, the gift of Mahaprabhu. And eventually be ready to pay whatever price destiny or Krishna wants to ask for us. Actually, if we are humble, we will always feel it's never enough what I can pray. But of course, I will try to do my best and pay as much as I can back. That's fine. <laughs> but it will never be enough. Tattenu kampan susamik samano bunjane badma kritam vipakam hridbadbapur vipidadannamaste jiveta jamukti padesadayavak Famous verse from the Bhagavad. Brahma says, someone who really is looking for your mercy, really looking for your mercy, when that person is receiving the reaction from his previous misdeeds, that person will happily receive that reaction in their life your real devotees and while they are receiving that they are tolerating that and meanwhile they are singing your glories and glorifying you (laughs) because they feel actually I have been so sinful that the reaction that should be coming will be much bigger than what's coming now in front of me. So actually whatever is coming to me is not what I should receive. If, 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 if karma is coming, Krishna has made such a generous arrangement and reduced my karmic debt to this. To this. Whatever is coming is just this. <laughs> and whatever mercy is coming <laughs> it should be this <laughs> because I have no personal merit but it's this <laughs> so I have no reason to to, to uh, complain there's no reason for complain there's all, all, all reason to be grateful if we are real sincere and humble we will feel that whatever is coming to my life call it karma call it mercy (laughs) in both cases it's something that is beyond what I deserve I deserve bigger karma and lesser mercy (laughs) but Mercy is, is such that it's not counting of, of what I deserve. It's just giving. <laughs> That's the nature of Mahaprabhu, especially in Tenanda Prabhu. You will feel especially attracted to our lack of qualification. <laughs> but that's not a, an excuse to remain unqualified. <laughs> But that's a reason for becoming inspired to become ourselves better devotees.
So, something like that is what keeps me today now here speaking with you. <laughs> I'm trying every day after day after day doing that. I'm projecting myself into eternity, only doing that hopefully. By the blessings of, of the Vaishnava, so please bless me so I can <laughs> maintain that ideal in my life. As Shilasya Maharaj very nicely said, we are just a medium to our ideal, a means to the ideal. So, so some idea has come, has knocked on my door. I opened the door. <laughs> I didn't expect that ideal. But when I enter in touch with that, I cannot but accept that. I think that happened to all of us in some way or another. Maybe it was not our intention to become Gaudiya Vaishnavs. But suddenly we found ourselves jumping and singing in the kirtan. <laughs> and you realize, how did I arrive here? <laughs> it was not the plan I, I, I designed. So that's what we call costless mercy. <laughs> it was not my plan I'm here but now that I'm here I realize I don't want to leave so come please I stay here and of course say, that's why I knock your door <laughs> to invite you to some place that is as Prabhupada say a house where the whole world can live eternally <laughs> so basically that we are very fortunate we should be always remembering that Mahabhagya actually we should feel ourselves I am the most fortunate person on the whole world each of you and each of us should be feeling that I am the most fortunate person in the whole universe because that's real I mean it's not some imagination <laughs> if you put things in the scale <laughs> what has come to your life what did you do to deserve that and all that you will reach that conclusion <laughs> and after concluding that you will be jumping and celebrating that fortune <laughs> and only only thinking how can I reciprocate, how can I serve, how can I love most. <laughs> but sometimes we are a little weak and we forget the things. <laughs> and because of that Sadhu Sangha is so important. Harikata is so important. Because it's getting together to, re to remind us between ourselves those things that we know they are there but sometimes we become distracted. And when we are no longer distracted, we still become together to reinforce more and more that and develop more and more that. Without limit, as we spoke in the beginning. Till we reach this transcendental dissatisfaction. <laughs> and we together we will try to satisfy each other's this transcendental dissatisfaction by increasing our love and devotion <laughs> so we are here very blessed 
So the other thing is try to pray so Krishna maintains that door open to us. <laughs> and, and, and we may take care of the association that has come to our life. Because that Sadhu Sangha is the key to and to open that door of mercy. That's the password to access <laughs> this world. So just be we have to be careful of not offending the Vaishnavas. And try to be as sincere as we can. No matter how how imperfect we are still are. And have full faith in this idea of unconditional love. And costless mercy that is coming to us through Guru Parampara. So that will give us the strength to change whatever is still there and to eventually reach our ultimate goal in two, three, one million lifetimes. doesn't matter. Sriman Mahaprabhu ki jai, Shilagude Patita Pavani ki jai.